Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hello and welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. Well, when you watch a TV show or a movie and the stars are like walking down the street and there are all these other people, right? Or when the stars are in a restaurant and you notice that there are other people sitting at the other tables, who are they? Well, they are extras. Those people are paid by the production company and there's a lot of interest in extras because... It's really a very good entry-level position. It's a good way of kind of breaking in. You know, you don't make an awful lot of money, but you're reporting for work at Warner Brothers, and you're on big movies. So I thought today my topic would be extras. How much do they make? What exactly do they do? And do I have any personal stories of extras along the way? And the answer is, oh, you bet I do. So extras on Hollywood and Levine. So you want to be an extra. Well, is it glamorous? Is it boring? Actually, the answer is both. I mean, there's times when it's really fun and you're on big movie sets and you're hanging out with George Clooney. And then there are times when it's freezing, you're up all night and all you're doing is walking back and forth across the street 10,000 times. So it really kind of depends on the situation and what it is that you're asked to do. Now, a friend of mine answered a call once to be an extra on a movie and she had to report to Magic Mountain which is an amusement park here in the Los Angeles area and the movie was called Roller Coaster and for two days 12 hours a day she was on a fucking roller coaster (laughs) for two days Days. Yeah. Okay. That's when it's glamorous. How much do extras make? Well, I don't know personally, so I had to look this up on the internet, and actually there are conflicting reports. One says that extras on television shows make $167 a day. That's 
pretty good, actually, and even more if they have to wear multiple costumes. Now, another source said $64 a day, which is kind of like $8 an hour. And as I remember it, that's kind of closer to the truth. At least I think so. But again, um, I would hang with that uh, $167 a day number because, you know, if that's true, like I said, that's pretty good. Um, Some extras are also stand-ins. Now, you make more money if you are a stand-in. And here's what that is. When you're on a television show, same thing with a movie, but basically with a television series, okay, you'll rehearse the scene, especially with a multi-camera show, and then they'll call for second team, and then the actors step out, and other people who are the same size and build as the various actors will then stand in while the scene is being lit and while it's being blocked, etc., etc. And they'll wear signs around their neck. I mean, if you're the stand-in for Ted Danson, you're going to wear a sign that says, Ted. Well, on the old Bill Cosby show, the one back in the 80s, His stand-in was a guy named Samuel L. Jackson. That's right. Samuel L. Jackson was Bill Cosby's stand-in some 35 years ago. Whatever happened to that guy? (laughs) He fared a lot better than Bill Cosby. Uh, Anyway, so stand-ins basically get steady work because they're making more money by being a stand-in And it's a steady job because if there's an order of 13 episodes, you're in there for 13 weeks. If you are an extra, by and large, you kind of work by the day. And I remember back on Cheers, and this was, you know, before cell phones and texting and that sort of thing, but... Our office, our writer's room, was on the second floor, and it was right across from the stage, stage 25 at Paramount. And just outside the stage door was, and I know this is a relic, and this dates me, a telephone booth. That's right. They used to be these things called telephone booths. And every day at about 4 o'clock, all of the extras from Cheers would come out and line up and one by one, call their agent or service or whatever to find out whether or not they were working the next day, and if so, where they were working. Now, of course, they just get texts and all, but uh, like I said, you work from day to day. Now, some of the studios have their own stable of extras. When I was working at 20th Century Fox when we were doing MASH, we had a group of extras that would pretty much work every week. But they would also pop up on other 20th Century Fox shows. It's almost like I could tell if a show was a 20th show if I saw certain people in the jury box or sitting in a restaurant. And there was one extra that we had on MASH and also after MASH named Roy Goldman. And Roy got a chance to be an extra in a movie that was being done at 20th Century Fox. The movie was being done by Mel Brooks, and it was to be or not to be. 
and they needed somebody to play Hitler. And yes, and it was his, his shining moment. Roy Goldman was Hitler in that movie. Okay, at this point, I should mention the difference between being an extra and, say, being an actor on a TV show or a movie. It's very simple. Extras are not allowed to speak. If you have one line, then you are considered an actor, and then you make an awful lot more money. So it is very rare that an extra will get a chance to move up and be an actor. But on MASH, we did this a couple of times. We rewarded extras who were with us for a long period of time, and we all gave them lines, and eventually they got a lot of lines. And a couple that I can think of is Kelly Nakahara. You know, we mentioned Nurse Kelly all the time on MASH, and also Jeff Maxwell, who became Igor, who's a private, and he was, like, always dishing out food at the mess line and that sort of thing. But, you know, eventually we started giving some of these people lines as a way of rewarding them for their service and their diligence. And you know what? They did a good job. Okay, MASH. There is one extra who is probably known to more people than any other in the 11-year run of the show, but you don't know her name. And you know who I'm talking about, right? In the opening title sequence, there is a shot where nurses are running towards the camera, and there is one nurse right out in front, a brunette, a very hot brunette, and people always asked me when I was working on the show, who was that? Because she was not a part of the show. She never did uh, an episode of MASH. She was hired for that one day when they were filming the opening titles out at the Malibu Ranch, which has since burned down for the third time. And because of what she looked like and her prominence in beating all of the other nurses, she really stood out. And so the story there is that, and I've done research here for you people, her name is Kathy Denny Fredella. And the deal is that she ran track in high school. And the producers lined her up with a bunch of other extras, other extras dressed as nurses, and they were told to run as fast as they could to the camera as if they're running to the helicopters to get the wounded. And since she ran track in high school, she always beat the other nurses, the other extras. And so take after take, this wasn't just one take, it was take after take after take. She is always in the front And, you know, for her, it was like one day's work and that was it. Well, she has certainly uh, become a fixture. And like I said, any fan of MASH 
knows who that is. And, you know, you talk about getting the most from the least, like a five-second shot, and she's now famous. And it also kind of reminds me of what happened with my dad. Now, when my dad retired, I would bring him on and make him an extra on any show that I was either producing or directing. My dad was a really good-looking guy, looked kind of like Sam Wanamaker. I mean, really one of those, you know, TV news anchor-looking guys. And so I would always use him as a maitre d' if there was a restaurant scene or he was a lawyer or a judge or if there was uh, a scene uh, in a conference room with stockholders. He was one of the stockholders. So I would use him whenever I could. And when we did the pilot of Almost Perfect, the show that starred Nancy Travis back in 1995, the show opened with Nancy coming into a restaurant looking for a blind date. And she talks to the maitre d' and he points out who he thinks might be the guy. And she goes off and then plays out the scene and it turns out it's not the guy, it's Kevin Kilner who ultimately would be her boyfriend. But the show opens with her going up to the maitre d' stand and talking to my father, and I don't even think my father has a line. I think my father just points to Kevin Kilner. So he was on camera for maybe 15, 20 seconds, something like that. Well, that summer, CBS put together the promo for the show, and the 15 seconds that they happened to use was that top of the show. So it's my dad and Nancy Travis, and that promo ran like 300 times all summer. And so friends of my dad are going, wait, um, are you starring in a sitcom with Nancy Travis? Of course, he said, yeah, why, why are you so surprised? But again, for his 20 seconds, he got an awful lot of mileage out of it. And now moving on to Cheers, Cheers presented its own problems regarding extras. Now that bar set, as you know, was huge. And it was so big that if you had 20 extras, which is an awful lot, they would just disappear in that bar. So it was pretty costly for the series because they had to use like 40 extras just to make it look like the bar was open. And when there were party scenes, which we did rarely, you needed like a 100 extras. And here's one of the things that director Jimmy Burroughs did, which I thought was really cool. He insisted on a lot of movement because in most cases, Extras are just sitting at tables. Well, he wanted people coming in and going out and crossing. And he didn't even mind if extras crossed right in front of the camera while the actors were doing the scene. Now, I say this, but here's what happens 99% of the time. The extra will cross in front of the camera just 
when an actor is delivering a punchline. It happens so many times. And I can't tell you how many times on Cheers we had to use different takes or different angles because Sam would have this great punchline and some guy would be walking right in front of him while he delivered it. You know, it's it's almost like extras have this uncanny super sense to know when to cross just in front of a punchline. And that brings up the question of who is basically the extra wrangler. Oh, and another term for extras is background. I'm kind of bouncing around with all of this. I hope you don't mind. But the person who is in charge is the second assistant director. I mean, there's so many people on the stage. There's the first assistant director and the second assistant director and the unit production manager and the script supervisor and the technical director. I mean, there's a million people. But the second assistant director, if you're scoring, is the person who basically is in charge of the extras. And he or she will then put them in their positions. You sit over here, you sit over here, you cross and make sure that you get in front of the camera just when Shelley Long is delivering a punchline. That's pretty much their job. Now, when you have a single camera show, which is a show that's shot like a movie, then you have extras every day because you're shooting every day. But when you have a multi-camera show, which is four cameras and it's shot on a sound stage and there are bleachers and it is filmed in front of a live studio audience, well, you're only filming one day. So extras on shows like Cheers or Frasier or Friends or The Big Bang Theory, they'll only be used either just the day of the show being filmed or maybe the day of the show being filmed and the camera blocking day, it kind of depends on really how intricate. I mean, if you've got a big wedding scene, then yeah, you're going to want to have all of the extras while you're doing all of your camera blocking because you want to make sure you have nice shots. And, you know, if, if it's just a show where there's maybe one scene where Sheldon and Leonard go to a restaurant and you can just put a couple of people in a back table. You don't need them for two days. And believe me, the studios don't pay any more money than they absolutely have to. So it is the second ADs that move people around. And, of course, the goal for all extras is to be seen is to get a a good spot, you know, to be sitting at a table where you are on camera. So if you are going to be an extra, cozy up to the second AD. Find out who the second AD is and be nice to them, okay? You know, you can also be nice to the directors too, but the directors are usually too busy. And sometimes if an extra comes up to a director and he's got 15 other things going on uh, and they just, you know, are 
chummy with him, it's it's basically going to be counterproductive. The, the director is going to be kind of pissed, like, look, I, I got whales to fry here. Uh, go see the second AD. So if you want to cozy up to somebody, it is a second AD and not the director. Okay, bouncing around again. You know, talking about extras who eventually got lines and became part of the ensemble, maybe the greatest example in any of the shows that I worked on was a gentleman named Al Rosen. This was on Cheers. And Al Rosen was an older guy. In his younger days, he was a professional wrestler. He was one of those early TV professional wrestlers. But on Cheers, he became kind of a semi-regular. And he was the guy that you know, would talk like this. And the first time he was used, he had a great face, which is why they hired him. You know, he was always just one of the guys sitting at the bar. But there was a scene where Carla said, who's the biggest bigwig of them all? And the Charles brothers thought, oh, you know, let's give that guy a line. He's pretty funny. And so they gave him the line, Sinatra. So when she said, who's the biggest bigwig of them all? He goes, Sinatra. And she says something like, no, no, really. He goes, Sinatra. And each time it got a huge laugh. Well, every time we used him in any later episode, his name was Man Who Said Sinatra. So if you ever find a Cheers script and you look through the cast list and you'll see Sam Malone, Diane Chambers, Carla Tortelli, and then when you get farther down, you know, you're going to find the, the people who have one or two lines and it's waiter number one and Fred and Man Who Said Sinatra. That's how we always referred to Al Rosen. Another extra who kind of emerged in later years was Rio Perlman's dad, Phil. Once he retired, Phil Perlman moved out to L.A. and was used as a, an extra on Cheers several times. And we ended up giving him a line or two. And so Phil became one of the regulars. The tricky thing with extras is getting them to react, okay? If Diane Uncheers enters the bar and has this big announcement, well, the extras need to react to that, okay? If she runs into the bar and goes, I'm getting married, then the people in the bar sitting at tables, if somebody did that, if you're sitting in a bar and somebody bursts in and yells that, you're going to look up. You're going to react. You're going to, you know, applaud or whatever. Give them thumbs up. I don't know. You're going to react somehow. And it's very difficult to get the extras to react because they just... You know, a lot of times, uh, okay, I'll be honest with you here. A lot of times some of these extras are just on autopilot. They've been doing this a long time. It's boring. 
Here is another day of sitting at a table and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And so when something happens, you you got to tell them you have to react. And then you got to make sure that they react appropriately, okay? That they don't go overboard, that they don't just go, huh, you know, ho-hum. It's tough because, remember, they're not allowed to speak. So when you would normally go, hey, that's great, congratulations, you can't do that. You just have to kind of mouth it. And that's difficult to do. And you you say, well, wait a minute. If they're mouthing it, uh, when we're listening to the show, uh, we're hearing people say, yay, that's great. Who are those people? Well, that's a whole different thing. That is, uh, that's looping. And those people come in after the show is filmed. And now you say, well, why don't you just have the people who are there, let them do it. Because you have to match things and you're going from take to take and you're going from one camera to another camera and there might be music playing in the background and you want the music to be consistent. It's a whole lot easier. You have an awful lot more control if the extras are silent. And here's one of the really tough things for an extra to do. And my heart goes out to them for this. Anytime they are asked to laugh, because it's very difficult to laugh convincingly and not have any sounds come out of your mouth. Try it. Go to a mirror and and try laughing without making a sound. You probably look like an idiot, right? So they're very self-conscious. And again, how hard do you laugh? How funny is the joke and how much should you physically react? It's, It's really tough. There was an episode of The Adventures of Superman back in the 1950s. And there was one episode. Now, when I was a kid... I was like, you know, five watching these these shows, and I bought everything. Okay, Superman was fine. It's real life. All this stuff could happen, right? Of course. Well, in this one particular episode, the bad guys knew that Superman could not see through lead. So they wore these giant lead helmets, these giant helmets that, covered their entire head (laughs) seems pretty stupid because you could identify him anyway because you know these are the guys that have lead helmets but anyway there was a scene when they were going to have a meeting with Perry White at the Daily Planet so picture this scene if you will two guys in suits with these lead helmets and hats. They're walking down a hallway and their backs are to the camera as they're walking away and coming up from the other direction, crossing them are two extras and the two extras don't even react to them. 
Okay, here's two guys wearing lead helmets with hats that walk by, didn't even notice them. Well, when I saw that (laughs) in later years, I was hysterical. But that's the kind of problems that you have from time to time with extras. What is the worst thing that an extra can do? Answer, look at the camera. Now, paid extras know this, but sometimes shows will raffle off appearances. Uh, You can be an extra on Wings if you give so much money to a school charity, that sort of thing. And usually when that happens, the person who is, as we like to say, a non-pro, that's somebody who's not in the industry, we refer to them as non-pros. Well, the non-pro is very excited, will show up, at Cheers, and the second AD will try to put them someplace where they're visible on camera. What the heck? They spent $500 for this, okay? But they are the ones who are self-conscious and will sometimes look at the camera. And you have to tell them, don't look at the camera. Whatever you do, don't look at the camera. Got it. No problem. Then you watch the dailies the next day and you go, Jesus Christ. You know, they're looking, they're smiling, they're they're practically, you know, winking to their family back in Philadelphia. If you want to do something specific with an extra, it's usually a good idea to talk to that extra beforehand and make sure that he could do it. And I was directing an episode of a show called It's All Relative that was on ABC. And in this particular scene, it took place in a restaurant. A couple had a fight. And the husband gets up and storms out of the restaurant. And their table was in the front. It was downstage. And then he was going to cross back. And I thought, well... Okay, it's kind of a long cross. Maybe I could have some fun with it because you had to cross by a table and there was a guy sitting there. And I thought, well, what if the guy is eating soup and let's say he's about to put a spoonful of soup in his mouth and our lead actor bumps him and, you know, the soup goes flying. Ha ha. Huge bit. I know. I know. Just say, yeah, I saved the whole show. It's, you know, the the Levine touch. But that's what I thought we would do. So what it required was an extra who could convincingly, once he's bumped, you know, once his shoulder is bumped, that he could jiggle his right hand so that maybe some soup splatters. So I go up to the guy who is sitting at the table and I explain the bit to him and he nods and I said, so do you think you could do this? And the guy says to me, I'm in the blue man group. (laughs) Yeah, I think I can jiggle soup. So uh, 
yeah, everybody needs to make a little extra money, I guess. So he was very good in that particular scene. And again, sorry that I'm just bouncing all over the place with this, trying to get in as many stories as I can. But when I was directing an episode of Almost Perfect, again, the Nancy Travis show, this was a scene that was in a restaurant and it was supposed to be the wrap party. And it ends with a giant pie fight. Now, for this particular scene, I had actors there. uh, Excuse me, I had extras there for two days. And I didn't want it to just be a wild free-for-all. What I wanted was a real choreographed pie fight. So I went back and I watched pie fight scenes from Laurel and Hardy and from The Great Race. And there were several specific gags I wanted to get to. And so we spent a couple of days rehearsing with rice crackers, you know, those rice cakes so that they were throwing at each other. Because, you know, once they all have pies and you say action, you're not going to stop the camera and go, wait, 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 no, back up a little bit. So, you know, you got to get it all orchestrated. So I got 9 million things I'm working on here. And this extra comes up to me and she says, uh, excuse me, but um, could you arrange it so that people don't throw pies at me? And I said, well, um, I don't know how to do that. I mean, you're right in the middle of it. I said, if you are uncomfortable being in a pie fight, then just don't be in it. No, 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 I want to be in it. I want to be in it. It's just that I'm, you know, I really don't want people throwing pies at me. What's a fucking pie fight? So I said, okay, fine, I'll, I'll try. So she left. And then, like I said, a number of the extras were also stand-ins. So I knew them. And I gathered them together and I said to them, I know I'm a horrible person, but I said to them, you see that girl over there in the, the pink outfit? If you get a chance during the pie fight, aim at her. And <laughs> yeah, oh, she just got pummeled with, with pies. So you don't want to go up to the director least not me. There was a great story. This would have been so good if they actually did it. There were a number of Cheers writers who loved Star Trek, The Next Generation. They somehow became friends with one of the producers. I don't know. But they got to be extras. Some of the producers of Cheers got to be extras one day on Star Trek. The scene was they apparently had just been beamed up from a planet where they were in some pitched battle with somebody and they had gotten the crap beaten out of them. So the scene is they're all lined up and they're all bruised and battered and, you know, it's like they came back from the Civil War 
And, you know, the, the captain walks by and sort of examines them, has his hands behind his back, and he, he just kind of scowls and moves on. And one of the writer-producers of Cheers wanted to do this, and I so wish he had, because it would be on every blooper film. But when the captain passed him by, he wanted to call out, yeah, we're fine, thanks for asking. Uh, That would have been so great. How many times have I been an extra? And the answer is twice. I was an extra on the last episode of Cheers that my partner David Isaacs and I wrote. That was the final Bar Wars episode. And there is one of the scenes in the bar where I am sitting at the bar. And uh, also in the very final episode of Wings, there is a scene when I'm sitting in the terminal. But that's it. Those are the only times that I've been actually on camera as an extra. And finally, I often wonder if any of the people who were extras on any of the shows that I worked on later became famous. Is Emma Stone sitting in Cafe Nervosa or was Aaron Sorkin you know, uh, a private on MASH? I don't know, but I bet you if you look carefully through a lot of these shows, you are going to find photobombing somewhere somebody who became famous. And if not, there's always Roy Goldman as Hitler. I bet you're saying, hey, You didn't answer the most important question. How do you become an extra? Well, here's what you do. You go online to Central Casting, and you can register with them. And once registered, there are job postings online, and you can get the ball rolling. But the first thing you have to do is go to Central Casting casting. And that will do it for this edition of Hollywood and Levine. Our thanks to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler, Howard Hoffman, and John Wolfert. If you want to get in touch with me for any reason, my email is hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. That is hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. I'm also on Twitter at Ken Levine. I am on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. And as always, I invite you to please subscribe to this podcast. Maybe give it a five-star review and maybe tell your friends. That'll do it for this week. Back again next week with more. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. Hollywood and Levine.